As I was reviewing this series, I, I went through and um, just kind of did a crash course in the last sermons um, in the, this series this summer. And if I had to, to summarize, I think, what the point is, it's in this statement that we love God, we best love God by loving others, and we best love others by showing them God's love through our words and deeds. I don't know, do you think I kind of got it in a nutshell there? We best love God by loving others, and we best love others by letting them know or showing them God's love by our words and our deeds. You looked at God is love, God loves you, loved people love, loving God, loving neighbor, listening as love, and last week I believe was loving the poor. So today we're going to look at this very simple statement that love is good news. Love is good news. How is it good news? It's good news through how we proclaim and how we demonstrate the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, so let's get into that, and I want to pray as we begin. Father God, as we come together and explore your word today in this wonderful theme of love, let us be encouraged in a fresh way of our part in bringing the good news to our neighbor, whether near or far. So, Father, teach us your word today that we might walk in your truth. Give us undivided hearts that we might fear your name. Amen. I love how Jesus began his ministry and we find this in Luke 4, 18 through 19. And Jesus here is quoting from the scroll of Isaiah chapter 61. And I'm always drawn back to the heart and soul of what Jesus' whole mission and purpose was and how he commissioned us in that same mission. And how much of a surprise it was to those who were hearing it for the first time. So after this after this period of preparation, and Jesus comes out of his 40-day fast and wandering in the desert, he comes to the synagogue and he's to bring the word for that day. And it happens to be Isaiah 61. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim, and has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He closed the scroll and finished, and there begins his ministry. A ministry of good news in both word and deed. These are powerful statements that he makes about himself. And he continues to challenge what, um, what the religious authorities had been doing, which really was keeping people a safe distance, actually, from God. And here he was trying to remove all those barriers and saying, no, now is the good news. 
It's a time for liberation. It's good news for the poor. It's good news for those who are oppressed, for those who are in bondage, for those who are blind, those who are physically limited. And here I am. And here we are as his body. So let's explore a little bit about what this means for us. And my hope today to, to share with a congregation that is so on mission and this body is actively trying to bring the good news to your community and also to many parts of the world. So I was thinking, Lord, what could I bring in a fresh way to help even in a little way reinvigorate them towards what they're already doing, to encourage their hearts to push in even more, to stand on that promise and that, that good news to make it n known even more in a more clear and compelling way. And so that's my prayer, that somehow you will be encouraged today in this. But love is good news only if it's heard and accepted. There's a, a nature for, um, for the right time and response. See, good news, if it's never received, if it's never heard, then it's really not good news to those who it's intended for. And I'm amazed that after, um, and we should be as the church, that after 2,000 years of this inauguration of Jesus' ministry, which he then commissioned to us, there's still literally 4 billion people in the world who are still waiting for this good news. And that's what motivates me every day to do what I'm doing, what motivates Maureen and I to do what we're doing because that, that commission that Christ gave us, the church, is still as much of a need then as it is today. And somehow the Lord is, is wanting to, to motivate us to finish that. In, in one generation, there will be a time where one generation gets to say the work of that commissioning has been completed. Maybe it'll be our generation. We're sure, hopefully, um, experiencing that today. So the good news is only good as if it's heard and received. In Romans 10, 9 through 12, oh, I just wanted to tell you about that picture right there um, of Salim. Maybe you could go back to that slide. I was so excited. Salim, um, just a few weeks ago, um, this is his bas baptism, and I love the shirt he chose to wear. Isn't that great? Best news. Now, Salim um, lives in, in a mountainous part of North Africa, and um, we met his family about four years ago, and he's, he's been working as a translator for some medical ministries we've been doing in this mountainous area. And uh, we always stop by and visit his family, him and his sister, and um, I've just been so eager for them to, to embrace this good news. And for them, they've been on this journey of really wanting to belong to God's people as they've experienced the good news and have witnessed the transformation in people's lives when they encounter the power of the gospel through um, the compassion ministries we've been doing. But because they're Muslims, they've been this, this wall because they just cannot reconcile Jesus being God. They've been just so taught 
that he's a prophet, he's a prophet. But finally, this last summer, Salim finally embraced the truth. And he was writing me. I was just encouraging him, telling him I was praying for him and how is he doing in his growth. And um, he shared with me, even this morning, I got a text. He said, when I watched you, you know, the Christians pray, I just knew there was something different. I knew there was something, and I wanted that. And finally, he, he surrendered his life, and here's his baptism. Praise the Lord. Pray for Salim. That's not his real name, but uh, pray for him. So let's turn to Romans 10. What is Paul, when he's writing this incredible letter to um, the church in Rome, he's saying this about salvation and the good news. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the question for us today and in every church on the planet. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one on whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want to say thank you, Waypoint Church, for sending people into the world, sending your own. I know many of you have been to India and different places on these short-term trips and have witnessed God's messengers and seeing people and whole communities come into the kingdom once they've heard the good news and they've known it's for them and then confess with their mouth. But Paul's asking us an important question. See, in the world today, there's still a huge need to hear this good news. I want to tell a story that really relates directly to this scripture. In December, I was in the Nuba Mountains, which is a part of Sudan. And if you've been following the news, you've known that um, since the middle of April, Sudan has fallen into another war. And two armies are fighting uh, for um, power, and everyone is suffering. And it's one of the greatest challenges of my life right now, trying to respond to that need. But in December, a group of us um, were part of a coalition for this part of Sudan called the Nuba Mountains. And we were gathering to um, develop our strategy and our partnership and to prioritize um, specific, what we call unengaged, unreached people groups. I'll explain a little more of that later. But in the Nuba Mountains, about 96 tribes, and we are guessing about um, 40 of them, just over 40, are still needing their first course or their first proclamation of the gospel. No one, to our knowledge, has entered these groups and been able to share the good news. 
And here we were, and we wanted to focus on um, eight of these groups um, as a starting point. And uh, we invited, actually, we went to these areas, we sent messengers and said, would you send someone from your tribe to this meeting we're having in this town? And um, we just wanted to, to invite them, for them to share, us, share with us what the needs of their community is and tell us about them because we didn't have any information really beyond their name and where their location was. And um, one of the gals from one particular tribe, and uh, we'll call her Gemma, and Gemma came to represent her people. And she was very proud of the honor to represent her people, this young lady. Um, just She reminded me of one of my daughters, just in her early 20s. And she came and she presented about her people and told us what their needs are, who they were, how many were in their population, and just some details about them. And um, she was really intrigued by this gathering. And we just kind of invited her in to participate. And she, there was others like her from these other tribes. And she, um, she was just engaging with, with our worship and our teaching. And, and it was a bit of a risk because we're inviting these um, people that are from Muslim backgrounds to kind of know fully what we're about and what we're trying to do. And so here she was. Well, the first night um, of our gathering... Uh, we, we like to do something we call the Naturally Supernatural, where we um, just invite people to a time of prayer where we ask the Lord to speak to us and to reveal His presence in each other's lives and to really see as a natural part of the Christian life the supernatural expression of God's power in our life to help us uh, in our sin, help us with our challenges. And so um, Gemma actually came to this, um, this evening. It was just an optional thing. And she came, and we, um, what we do is we have everyone um, that comes sit in the middle of a group and just to share some, some burdens on their heart and to share some needs. And then we, we ask, um, we then go to time of silence where we just listen to God, and then we speak um, back to that person what we feel the Lord is saying. It's a really wonderful experience. And so here, um, Gemma was sitting in the middle, and she just didn't have much to say. Uh, but, uh, just, but then all of a sudden, um, she was very emotional, and just kind of, kind of shaking, and tears began to come. And then there was this, um, this Kenyan brother sitting to the right of me, and um, he began to, to speak. And he quoted from this passage, and he said, um, the scripture says, if you um, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, um, Jesus, you will be saved. And he's saying, John, you're supposed to ask Gemma to, to say that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad the Lord spoke to you to say that, so I, I don't know why... <laughs> God just didn't tell him, my friend Barnabas, to, to say this to her. But So I said, I said, Gemma, would you like to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? And she started shaking and crying and with an overwhelming yes. And we just prayed for her. And there, then and, then and there, this young woman 
the first that we know of from her whole people group had been ushered into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's give a clap for that. <laughs> and I just want to encourage you because you guys have actively given some of your Lenten offerings to reach these tribes of the Nuba Mountains. And here God is at work. And in some of, some of those mysterious ways, and we need to pray for her because she has a big challenge to, um, to represent the gospel back to her people. And so we've spent some time equipping her and encouraging her and trying to support her in that. But how will they hear? The unfinished task that we often talk about and what I feel I've, and Maureen and I have been commissioned to do is to bring awareness of this unfinished task and the need to the body of Christ. Do you know that there are 4,972 ethnic groups or people groups in the world that have no or little access to the gospel, the good news. This means that, if you want to say it in a simple way, they have no Bible, they have no believers, they have no body of Christ, okay, the three Bs. And so we're praying for them. We're still trying to get that first proclamation, that first representation of the gospel among them. And they are a part of a larger group of ethnic groups, which are 7,382, that have so few believers, they don't have the resources in and of themselves to see their people reached for Christ. So they need outside help. And so that's what uh, many of us are trying to endeavor to do, to rally the church and to collaborate so that that reality um, gets reduced to zero and that we see um, the gospel and believers and churches multiplying and thriving among all of those. One of the things we've been doing since that December gathering is we've been sending teams um, to these villages and meeting with each of these tribal um, elder groups and asking for an invitation to come share and serve them. So I just want to unpack a little bit. Some of you might wonder, how do you actually do that? And how can we be a part of actually seeing this, this fulfillment to the Great Commission among these remaining groups? And so we're trying to do our part in many locations. And it's been amazing as we've been um, going uh, tribe to tribe. We're hearing the same message. These people are oppressed. You remember when Jesus saw the crowds and he saw that they were oppressed and hopeless, sheep without a shepherd? And that's what we've been finding and you have to recognize that this part of the world is some of the most neglected, war-torn, um, hurting parts um, of the world. It's, it's, but yet, the, the ripeness and readiness of the gospel has never been so prepared. And so we're trying with all our, our might in the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit to see um, this reality changed. One of the tribal elders in one particular tribe, he said this, it just really stuck out to me. Our people are living in dilemmas and darkness. And he was just expressing this, that for decades they've been living in dilemmas and darkness. They had been um, Islamicized for centuries, but given hardly any um, hope and any resilience to thrive against the challenges they faced with uh, food insecurity, education, health care, 
All these things, these basic necessities that have been neglected for them because they've lived under an uh, oppressive regime. And um, right now, right when we started seeing momentum, the war broke out. And we know the enemy of our souls does not want a Sudan that's liberated with the gospel. But we believe this war is creating even more opportunities because now millions of displaced people are coming into these same areas that we're working. And so not only are we able to reach the, um, the people that live indigenously in that area, but now all the, the various tribes from other areas that we haven't been able to get to because of uh, conflicting zones are now living side by side with them. And so we're rallying massive uh, relief efforts right now to help just bring basic necessities to them. But what it is, it's demonstrating the good news of Jesus as we bring the proclamation. And this, this elder is, as, was the same story, tribe after tribe saying, we want to hear what this good news is you have. And I tell you, when we bring the audio Bibles into these places, it's an amazing the transformation that it has when people finally get to hear in their own language or a language they can understand this good news of the gospel. It's powerful. The Word of God is powerful. And it really challenges me to think how often I fail, I neglect to bring that proclamation to the neighbors and peoples around me. The Word liberates, just as like Jesus said, He had been anointed to bring good news to the poor, to set captives free. I want us to get personal now and think about our own message in our own life and our part in this. Paul, he's writing to the church in Corinth in, in the second book of Corinthians, chapter 5. And he, he's kind of giving a defense to his own um, ministry and apostleship. And he, he makes a statement, for, the, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised again. So, now on, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's two important things that this declares about us who are in Christ. One, it's declaring that we become a new creation, so we have a new identity as children of God. 
redeemed children of God. The second thing it's telling us is we have a new purpose. So one, we have a new identity as children of God. Secondly, we have a new purpose, and that's to be ambassadors, proclaimers, demonstrators of this reconciling work that God has done. I want to ask you, do you see yourself in that way, as a person who's walking in this new identity with this new purpose? Think about that for a minute. When you wake up in the day and you get ready for your day, are you seeing yourself in this new identity that Christ has made and transformed in you? And based on that, you have a new purpose every day to demonstrate and proclaim this message of reconciliation from God. Love is good news, but only if it's heard and received. So let's think about these two sides of the good news, both the demonstration of it and the proclamation of it. Proclaiming the gospel, another way we can say that. We can only truly proclaim the gospel if we believe the gospel. I think we're called every day to have a, a fresh dose and um, refilling of that good news in our lives. And that's why we go to the Word of God. That's why we go to prayer. It's again reconfirming that we believe this good news and it's changed our life. So I want to ask you, do you believe it? Do you live in light of it? Good news. What Paul was talking about. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Maybe there's things in your life that have caused that good news to be um, dampened in your life. And you're not really standing on that promise right now. And so even today, this morning, even in a wonderful church like Waypoint Church, maybe some of us need to re-believe in the good news of Jesus, what he said his ministry was all about. Take a minute just to embrace that for your own sake. And then we can only demonstrate the gospel if we have experienced its transformation in our life. Many of us, if we grow up in a Christian family, maybe we don't have that you know, radical transformation story of um, I was this way and now I'm this because um, Jesus entered my life. Sometimes it's harder for us to, to be able to see how we've transformed because we've always believed or always been in this believing community. And that's where we have to really look at what is our faith based on. Is the power of the gospel alive in our life? Do we see that transformation? Are we overcoming our sin nature? Are we living in the power of the Holy Spirit's influence on our life? Are we seeing the demonstration of that power as we go out and seek to see the world embraced for Christ? Maybe it's been a while for you to experience that power. And I would encourage you to ask 
in a fresh way. Dear Father, fall afresh on me through your Spirit. Reinvigorate me with your power so that I can be what you said, that I'm now the righteousness of you. <clears throat> Isn't that an amazing statement? I mean, I, I struggle reading that because it says there that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Wow. We are ambassadors of this new kingdom. That means we have the power and authority as a representative of that kingdom here on this earth. So when we enter any place, we are a living representation of that powerful kingdom. Do we live into the reality of that? Lord, fill us afresh. I just want to read one more scripture and then um, tell one final story and we'll have some application. I've been sitting in John and we're preparing uh, Bible study fellowship this year will be in John, so Maureen and I. Maureen's a, an assistant teaching leader for BSF. And we've been in John and just spending the summer really going deeper. And I've been stuck in John 6 for a couple of weeks here. And there was this encounter where Jesus, he's, um, he just fed the 5,000, had this amazing experience with the disciples, um, with this uh, young lad's lunch. And then um, he goes to pray. The disciples cross the sea. And, um, and then the night, Jesus crosses the sea, walking on water, enters a boat. And he's on the other side. The people wake up. And they're like, where's Jesus? We didn't see him leave. So they, they get in boats. They go to the other side. And they, they pursue Jesus. And they say, Jesus, how did you get here? And he makes this incredible statement to them. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, because, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. What a simple answer. <laughs> faith. If you want to do the works of God, it has to start with faith in me. And I ask us, if we want to do the works of God, let's in a fresh way start with our own faith so that that manifests itself in the works that we do as we demonstrate the gospel. Just in closing, I want to tell one more story because you guys have also invested through Activate Global in North Africa. And um, we've um, adopted a few, well, all the tribes across North Africa that are Berbers or Hassaniya speakers. And uh, we do pretty much when we enter these places and seek out how to enter a tribe or a people group with the gospel, we first pray and we do some prayer walking on location and we ask God to bring us someone who is a person of peace that will open the door. And in one particular um, group, I, I won't mention their name, uh, we found 
a man. And um, he and his family have now embraced the gospel. And I'll call him Raymond. And Raymond um, was um, his real name in, in his real name in um, in Arabic means um, rightly guided, which we believe was like God's Holy Spirit putting us together. That this rightly guided person was guided to us, and we were guided to him. Anyways, um, in that first meeting, my colleague Pedro was the one to enter his village, and when they met. Um, and he was helping Pedro get around the area. And um, he said, Pedro, I want, you to, I want to ask you something. I had this experience um, a few years ago. I was in a very secluded place, and I was starving. I had no food, no ability to have food. I had no money, and I was just out in this very deserted place. And all of a sudden, this rabbit came and brought its baby to me and put it at my feet. And it was after I had prayed to God, help me, help deliver me. And so this rabbit came and put its baby at my feet. And I wondered what, what was happening. And I thought, well, maybe God answered my prayer and he wanted me to eat this rabbit. But I couldn't light a fire. My lighter wouldn't work. I couldn't light a fire. So then I thought, well, maybe God doesn't want me to eat this rabbit. So I brought it back to the mother. And I've been perplexed by this. Can you tell me? what this means. No one's been able to tell me what this experience means. And Pedro said, yes, I of course know what this means. And he went on to share the gospel that um, this was a picture of what God has done for you by giving his own son to pay the debt of your sins and to give you life. And he talked about Jesus being the bread out of heaven. And he said, and the funny thing, why it's a rabbit, he says, because God wanted me um, from Spain. And the original name of um, Spain, which is Hispania, in the original language means land of the rabbits. It's a Phoenician word. I don't know if you knew that. But Hispania means land of the rabbits. And he said, God obviously wanted me to come from the land of the rabbits to bring you the true uh, word of God from heaven. And immediately, immediately, Raymond accepted that testimony. He said, of course. And he believed, and he and his whole family. And they are the first ones in their people group and in their village in the middle of the desert to bring, uh, to start bringing, bringing the gospel to their people. I share those stories because there's people all around you that are just waiting for someone to answer their questions. Maureen and I were just in Rome um, at a conference, and uh, we traveled around a bit, and we were in Florence uh, waiting to go and see the David at the museum, and we met a family in line, and we were just talking about our work, and this man, um, David, was really compelled and uh, just kept asking questions, and I'm, I kind of live by this philosophy that everyone wants to be my best friend, and so I just kind of push into that and it's quite a delusion, but it kind of gets me places. But my wife's really good at clearly, you know, sharing. And so we were a good team that way. And uh, she was sharing, and this man was just so intrigued. Later on in, um, in the, the museum, I took a picture of him 
um, and his family, his daughters and his wife, and then him. And I just thought it was a really beautiful picture. So later I, I said, hey, I took this picture of you. Would you like it? And he gave me his phone number, and I texted it to him. And that since led to an amazing conversation. Yesterday I was able to encourage him to download the Bible on his, on his uh, phone, and he's assured me he wants to. But he, he wrote to us, and he said, you know, um, ever since meeting you, I've been drawn to God, and I know I've been distant from him, and I'm going to go to confession for the first time in 30 years. And um, so we're beginning to, um, to see the life of Christ come to him. But I just share that story just in our everyday life. We never know who it is that's hungry for more. And we hesitate to both proclaim and demonstrate the good news, but they have to go together. So as the worship team comes up, I have some reflection questions for you. Um, if you want to... Um, pull these up, and then I think the worship team's going to have one final song. Is that right? So as we uh, worship, just be thinking about these questions. When did you learn about God, others, and yourself? How will you believe differently today? When and how did you hear and respond to the good news yourself? Who currently in your life needs to hear the good news? And what can you do to help the least reach hear and respond to the good news? So reflect on that as we close our time in worship.